Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the realm of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. And welcome to the Evangelization Moments today on the Feast of St. Joseph from St. Joseph Radio. This ought to be a CD that you uh, call us after the program and just pay the postage to get. What do you think, Ray? You're already anticipating words of tremendous wisdom from the both of us. I think St. Joseph will have his way with the Holy Spirit. We can, yes, absolutely. We can only assume. Well, how about starting us off with a prayer? Maybe ask him to intercede for us here. Okay, so we're going to do a little different this time. This time I'm going to cheat. So instead of, you know, trusting uh, for something to come from the heart, I'm going to read a prayer from Saint about uh, a prayer to Saint Joseph. So, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, Guardian of the Redeemer, Spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. To you, God entrusted His only Son, and you, Mary, placed her trust. With you, Christ became man. Blessed Jesus, to us too, show yourself a Father, and guide us in the path of life. Obtain, obtain for us grace mercy, encourage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Actually, I should have said, I shouldn't have said that I read that. You would have thought I would have composed that myself. I would have. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be the first time you were wrong. Well, gullible's not in the dictionary, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I could be fooled. Well, this is Evangelization Moments, and Ray Gerard, my name's Matt Logman, and our third wheel, who was in Mexico... Mr. Peter Carruth. It wouldn't be because he's trying to get away from us. No, no. Actually, I think he's having more fun and, and more success because he's out there mingling. And he he's sent being us, his normal self, that's he, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he sent us a long, long text talking about the different uh, causes and uh, effects that he had with people. Yeah, so, you know, I guess Peter is, uh, I guess it's hard to hold him down. Uh, he seems to strike up conversations about the faith uh, in a lot of different places with a lot of different people. And uh, it's actually, okay, hopefully, well, he's way down in Mexico, so I'm sure he can't hear us. If he has the app, he could. Well, let's hope he doesn't, because I'm going to actually pay him a compliment. But that's one of the, <laughs> I don't want to have him catch me say that. But no, he's, that's one of the really beautiful things about him. He is certainly not shy in any way in trying to engage people about the faith. And uh, so apparently he's down there on vacation. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things he did um, apparently was just say grace before a meal. And he was, I guess, uh, they were at a barbecue or something outdoors with, I guess, uh, 10 other people that, you know, he didn't know. And asked uh, if he could say grace before, meal, the, before the meal. And everybody agreed. And everybody apparently made the sign of the cross uh, along with him. So he said... 
And, uh, you know, it's, you know. He's not it's, shy. It's one of those instances when maybe afterwards you think, oh, I put, my foot, I put my foot in my mouth on that one. But anyways, he said to everybody, well, I guess you're all Catholic then. And they're not. They were all Lutheran, but that's okay. I was unaware that the Lutherans made the sign of the cross. Well, he didn't think so either, but apparently they had no problem with it. So, anyways, um, the thing was that the next day he's just walking, you know, from the beach and uh, a young girl, he described her as being uh, in her 20s, came up to him and said, you know, she really appreciated what he did last night and that, you know, he inspired her faith. And he, later on, he asked his wife what she was talking about because he really had no idea. And uh, his wife said, well, it's because you said grace. So even a simple thing like that, I know that is something we've said on this program over and over. Uh, but simple things can have big impacts on people. And here it was, he just did this little thing of saying grace before meal, but he wasn't afraid. What does it say in the Bible? How many times, right? 365, be not afraid. He wasn't afraid just to do a simple thing like grace before meals, before meal, and this girl comes up to him the next day and, she, and said, she, you know, he inspired her faith. That's just I guess maybe it says something a little bit about our culture, too, in that, that— It's such a rare thing, and yeah, it shouldn't be. It should not be. You know, who, who wants to eat something that you don't invoke the mighty blessing of the Lord, you know? I mean, it just makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I mean, everything we get comes from the Lord, so, you know, the food we eat, I mean, why not give him thanks? I mean, thanks he is due. Strengthen me for your service. I, I like to finish— grace with that add that in well that's that's very good of you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah moving along here nothing to see well the feast of saint joseph is one of those feasts that you know it's looked upon as a great feast because we're talking about the foster father of jesus and the the spouse of the most blessed holy virgin mary who most people i think when they think of intercession they they, they go to the mother you know, I really didn't know there was, you know, until recently. I mean, we had the year of St. Joseph, which I did find out that people can also have him intercede, and he is very powerful as well. He is very powerful, and there are some stories that I was going to go into a little bit later. Uh, but the thing, about, the thing is, we, you're right, we do not think of St. Joseph very often. He is uh, the silent partner in that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph trilogy. Oh, he uh, had the money. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, the silent partner. Well, okay. Uh, I, guess, I guess you could think that way if you if if you're you know if, if you always if you always think about money, but um, uh, no, we don't think about him, right? I mean, he's he's just this this silent uh, figure, uh, but yet you know he he is a part of. Of that that group we you know we call Jesus Mary and Joseph. Now Bishop Sheen used to always I guess begin his talks with Jesus Mary and Joseph. He did uh, you know he had his famous TV series on television prime time when there weren't a hundred cable channels there were only I think there were four channels total. Uh, but anyways, on, uh, and he'd have this blackboard and he would famously you know write on this this chalk blackboard to begin all these shows and. Uh, and he always put JMJ at the top. Always put J Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, kept them, I guess, forefront in his mind all the time. 
And we should too, uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So who, who really, you know, was Joseph? What can we turn to him for? Um, you know, what do we know about him? What can we, what can we conclude about him just from uh, the few bits and pieces that we do have in the Bible about him? I mean, just imagine. So you've got the mother of Christ. You've got a person who is immaculately conceived because God knows she is going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. But she has to have a human husband. Who are you going to pick to be her husband? My guess is he's kind of a special guy. He's a descendant of David, which had to be in order to fulfill prophecy. Had to be a descendant of David. But, you know, in terms of his individual, well, his individuality and who he is, he would have to be a person of tremendous faith. He would have to be a person you could rely on in the midst of troubles. Uh, and certainly, you know, there, I mean, there were going to be challenges. And Mary was going to need somebody that was going to be able, to, that she was going to be able to, to trust and rely on. He would have to be somebody with tremendous faith. And he would have to be somebody pure. I mean, you're going to be in the presence of Christ for years. You're going to be somebody that Christ is going to regard as father. One of the few references to Joseph in the Bible is where Mary does refer to Joseph as, as father for Jesus. You're going to, I mean, I just can't imagine how um, holy and pure and special that person would have to be. But I think it is an absolutely fair conclusion that he was certainly very pure. Now, we know Mary was a virgin, you know, and... Uh, and without sin, which Joseph didn't have that grace. Right, and she, she was ever virgin, so, and he's her, he's her spouse. So he's also chaste for his entire life. There is a purity in that, which, of course, you know, uh, now the church honors by, you know, having uh, priests follow a celibate life where you are married and devoted uh, and committed to Christ and God alone. But the first person who did that was Joseph. That would make sense. With all, <laughs> with all the information we have, yeah, you would think that that had to have been the case. I mean, all you have to do is think about these things just a little bit. I mean, just ponder, you know, um, the person who is going to be in the presence of Christ and remain in the presence of Christ, especially when Christ was a young child. You know, if you just meditate on that, you know, even for as short as 60 seconds, you're going to get an idea, a little idea, a glimpse of Joseph, who he must have been, and therefore who he was. This is true. And since, you know, when the Lord started his ministry, they, notice how they called it his public ministry, you know, when he made the water into wine. And my thought when you talk about meditation as I'm going through all that is that Mary obviously had to have known that he was capable of much more, you know, than a normal child. And so my thought process was that she probably saw things that he could do. 
You know, I mean, this is nothing ever written about, although there is a movie that you can look up, and it's called The Young Messiah. And I was kind of, you know, should I watch this? You know, is it going to be, you know, hypocritical in any way? And I was I was pleasantly surprised. It reminded me of The Chosen, you know, the way it was made. And so, yes, the, they portrayed the child as having power. And since he was young, they had to basically manifest his power. Hey, 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 no, you know, we know you can do that. That's a good thing you did. You know, like in the, in the movie, you know, he comes across a, a dead bird, you know, the water washing up on the beach. And his cousin saw what he did. So the, 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 they portrayed it as the whole family knew, you know, because they knew he was, you know, the Messiah. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, those things could have happened. I mean, it makes you wonder. Right, and that's why it was good to, you know, watch good fiction, you know, but still holy. But reverential, yes. Right, yeah. you know, because of the family was afraid that if he drew attention to himself, things were not going to turn out well, as you saw what happened when he did draw attention to himself. So, you know, put yourself in, in his shoes. Imagine if we're trying to decide or or just sort of, you know, form in our own minds some image of, of Joseph and, and who he was and who we can call on him for help. Um, and beso- um, oh, and by the way, can we? What can we call on him for help with? Everything. Um, there was just recently we, we had the celebration of the 150th anniversary of Joseph being declared the patron saint of the church. The church has a patron saint, um, and while. You know, we've got many feast days devoted for Mary. She's got many titles. And, of course, the head of the church is Christ himself. The patron saint of the church is Joseph. So what can we call on him for? You name it. I mean, God entrusted, you know, the, the church has been entrusted to the protection and the guardianship and the guidance of Joseph. Um, anyways, uh, but just to try to you know, forming our own minds a little bit of an image of, of who he was. You know, just do a little detective sleuthing. Play a little Columbo, if you will. Uh, what can we know? What can we deduce? Well, how about this? I mean, we know that he was aware Mary was pregnant, and, you know, they hadn't been married yet. And so he gets a, vis- a visit from an angel and tells him that's okay. So all of a sudden, you know, I mean, right from that, we know— you know, you're in kind of special territory. I mean, I mean, what's he thinking? What is going through his mind? You know, how about a, you could have a movie just on that in and of itself? And so he trusts that this is not a, a deception, uh, that this is authentic, and he has faith that this message he received in this dream is from God, and so he is going to marry Mary. Yes. I mean, he, all of a sudden, I mean, right from that, you know, his life is full of challenges, and he's going forward anyway. Living totally by faith. Living by faith. That was one of his attributes, uh, you know, that he was able. And with the strength and a courage to do this, this was not an easy thing to do. One would have to assume, Ray, that that dream must have been a dream like none other. I would assume. I would assume. Okay. Yeah, so an angel talked to him in a dream. You think about, okay, well, I was dreaming, really. So it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, but this must have been something that just rocked his world because not too often is anyone visited by the celestial. 
Well, you know, I mean, we have stories like, for example, the Old Testament, um, where you know, uh, you know, God calls, uh, I believe it's Samuel, in a dream, and you know, uh, he goes to his master, it was Elijah, and says, "Hey, you know, um, did you call me? No, you don't." He didn't know who was calling. It was only on the third time that Elijah figured it out, if I'm remembering the story correctly, and understood that it was God talking to him. But Samuel didn't put that together. I mean, it's hard to understand sometimes in the, you know, when, when these dreams are taking place what it is you know, that, that is happening to you. Um, you know, people go to uh, priests and uh, authorities in the church to help, help discern. There are methodologies that have been uh, built up over the years to help people discern whether something is authentic, let alone what the message is. And, you know, so he gets a dream, and he's, and yes, it's a powerful dream, and, and yes, I'm sure, you know, that it was, it was very significant and dramatic, but he was open to it. He was open to receiving it. And isn't that the story of each one of our lives? Everything is a gift to us. Even faith is a gift to us. Uh, the graces that we receive in baptism, life itself, all is a gift. And, what a, and so God is, is waiting for us with tremendous love and mercy and forgiveness. But, so we don't have to create anything. We don't have to make anything for ourselves. But we have to have a willingness to receive it. We have to be open to it. And he was. You are listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri, in studio with Ray Gerard. My name is Let, Matt Logman. Thank you. I can say my own name. And we I are, knew you could. We are celebrating the Feast of St. Joseph today and, and coming up with just talking about the man and what he was and who he was and how he must have had an incredible grace given to him to be able to defend not only the mother of God, but God himself. Okay, so then he marries her, and Jesus is born. And oh, by the way, you've got these kings that are coming to visit. Uh, you know, so uh, something, something very special is going on. And then, very soon after that, they go to the temple. They present Jesus at the temple, as was Jewish custom. And Mary is there. And Simeon tells her that this is a child destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel and that a sword will pierce her soul, or pierce her heart, depending on your translation. But a soul will pierce her as well. A sword. A sword. So what did I say? You can't say your name. I can't, I can't say, you know, a sword. But anyways, uh, and a sword will pierce her also. So our focus always in that story, whenever we hear that story, our focus is always on Mary. What must it have been like for Mary to hear that she was going to have to suffer? Okay, that's, that's proper and right for us to focus on Mary and what she felt in her heart and the sorrow she must have felt and the courage that she had to go forward anyway and so on. All of that is right and proper and true. But somebody else was also there. And he heard the same thing. Now, let's just, I mean, you, you talked about a movie where people sort of, you know, play, you know, author about, hey, you know, these are some of the stories, things that might have happened when Jesus was young. Okay, so let's do that ourselves for a second. 
What do you think the conversations were between Joseph and Mary after that visitation to the temple? That's not going to happen, hon. I will protect you. <laughs> well, um, they'll have to get through me first. <laughs> um, he was the protector. Yes, possibly. So that had to have been very, you know, unnerving for him to hear that. Yeah, uh, but you know, I'm sure also there was an element of acceptance that there was going to be suffering. Um, you know, the suffering of Christ Himself was obviously foretold in the in the Old Testament, and so there's an acceptance of the mission. And you know. What would Joseph have felt? I mean, as the protector, as you say, um, knowing that God had ordained suffering, I mean, you're going to feel a little bit like, I can't prevent that, even though I'm, how much you might want to prevent it. I mean, what are the emotions? What are the feelings must have gone through him? So it would have been the same type of acceptance that Mary had. But this is God's will. I mean, we talk about Mary, and she's, you know, she has the famous, you know, your will be done, um, as opposed to non-serviat, you know, uh, she's the woman who says, yeah, let it be done to me, you know, in accord with your will. But Joseph was also a participant in that. He must have had that same resolution, not to try to thwart, but to accept the will of God. And, I mean, you would, got, you would have to imagine that Mary and Joseph worked in concert, that they operated on the same wavelength, like any good marriage uh, would be characterized by uh, that, that level of, of cooperation and, and so on. And when you think about Joseph that way, all of a sudden he becomes you know, much more of a real person. Well, we talked earlier about his, you know, he is the father, he's the protector, the husband. We all live by blind faith here in this day and age. Not too many people are are gifted with a vision or anything supernatural that you would think, oh, you know, they're, you know, this is all going on true here, right behind that veil that it gets thinner as you get closer to God. But being a man like he was, I mean, you, know, you got to figure he was, you know, rough and tumble, Mr. Hands calloused and, you know, and it was a grace, I think, bestowed upon him that he was able to pass away not only in the arms of Mary and Jesus, but before Jesus had to go through his passion. Because I don't think he had that, that particular grace to be able to stand by idly. You know, that would have been difficult for any parent. Yeah, he was, he was spared the anguish um, of, of watching his son die such a horrible death. Um, and we, we can pretty much surmise that that was, that was the case because on the cross, you know, Mary, you know, Jesus uh, entrusts John to Mary. He doesn't say, here's your father and your mother. He says, here's your mother. So we can pretty much assume that, you know, uh, that Joseph was gone at that point. So he was obviously spared the anguish. One can only imagine the anguish that he would have had to feel seeing your son suffer that way. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what, what that would have been like. So he was, he was spared that, I guess. Um, I mean, who can, you know, who can guess at the, at the mind of God, the will of God? But he had a job to do. His job was to help raise, help raise his son. And certainly if he was still around, I don't suppose there would be a need for Jesus from the cross to entrust 
Mary to John and have John be relied upon to look after her from that point forward. If Joseph was still there, you know, he obviously would have been the person to do that. Uh, so he was obviously spared the anguish of watching Christ die. Such a di- I mean, can you imagine a father watching that? That would have been, that would have been horrible. But that wasn't necessary for him. He had a hard enough time holding my son down so that the surgeon could stitch up his lip when he got hit by a swing when he was like three or four years old. You know, it was it was traumatic because he, you know, you got to hold him still. You know, and they, luckily they called in a, a plastic surgeon because the, the the glider had basically opened up a, about an inch hole. I mean, you could probably put your finger through it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they're, they're giving him a shot, and he's screaming, and you're having to look at your son as he's screaming, like, why are you letting him do this to me? My wife, she couldn't, ha- you know, she literally had to turn her around. She, you know, couldn't stand to see it. Uh, uh, hard thing, hard thing. Right, Very and when you thing. talk about Mary being at the foot of the cross, we're talking about the worst possible way that man could have fathomed to kill someone the most torturous and the most vile way to execute. Crucifixion was that during that time frame. Right. So, so wow. Right. So, yeah, and uh, horrible, unspeakable brutality. But Joseph, you know, didn't have to have to watch that. So what was Joseph's job? What does his job continue to be? What is it that we can pray to him for? You know, the thing about it is, I mean, perhaps, I don't know, maybe, maybe a lot of people do pray to him, but I would guess maybe a lot of people do not because he is such a silent figure. We don't think of him that often. And if we don't think of him that often, we don't think of praying to him that often. But we should because he is such a powerful intercessor. And, yeah, we've got, we've got some examples of, of people who prayed to him. Well, I think everyone actually prays to him without even realizing it. All the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, pray for me to the Lord our God. Mm -hmm. So we're invoking all the angels and saints to pray for us, so that would have to include St. Joseph. (laughs) Right. But, yeah, when when you realize the people closest to God, you know, that there's nine levels of angelic, you know, beings, the ones that are closest to God are obviously the most powerful you know, the Blessed Mother still batting a thousand. Every time I've asked her for something I felt like I truly needed, you know, like the nuns were quick to point out, we're not talking a bike or a puppy under the tree. And she is batting 1,000. And every time when I'm doing a project at home, Ray, and I ten thumbs and then things are dropping and falling apart, when I'm starting to lose my temper, who do I go to? St. Joseph, the master carpenter, you know. Help me with this, because you know this is going to go south in a hurry. You know, it's not good. And he does. I'll I'll get the job done. And we're going to come back here in just a bit to get the job done. This is the Feast of St. Joseph, and this is St. Joseph Radio coming to you live from the Rome of the West in studio with Ray Gerard today. And my name is Matt Logman, and we'll be right back. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction, 
while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707 255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, and we are presenting to you today an awesome program about the Father, Foster Father of Jesus, the Feast of St. Joseph this weekend. So, you know a lot of people named Joe out there, my friends. You know what would be a great gift for them. You call us at 636-447-6000 after the program, and we will send you a free copy of this program. All you got to do is pay for postage, and you can add that into the birthday card when you give it to Joe. Happy birthday, Joe. His name said a lot here. All you got to do is pay the postage? That's right. That's it? Postage. Wow. There you go. And if you got a forever stamp, it's cheaper than it would be today. <laughs> I mean, how can you go wrong? You can't. can't. And So we were talking before the break. You were talking about how... You know, uh, how uh, you can pray to get close, close to God, close to Christ. And we're also talking about praying to St. Joseph. Same thing, right? They're the same thing. If you want to get close to Christ, why not pray to St. Joseph? He was so close to Christ during his lifetime. And he obviously is still close to Christ. I mean, he'd have to be. I, I, your your father on earth. I mean, you can only. I mean, you can just imagine how close he is to Christ up in heaven, especially somebody pure, as, as we talked about previously, as pure as he was, um, as loving as he must have been to to Jesus and such. How close he is to you. Pray to him. You pray to Saint Joseph, who is so close to Christ. Uh, I mean, you're gonna. It, he is going to bring you closer to Christ. Uh, it's, it's like anything else. You pray with real faith, and he will be there for you. Um, there's somebody who used to pray to St. Joseph all the time. His name is uh, St. Andre Bisset. St. Andre uh, lived in Montreal, Canada. And, uh, a? A. Uh, although they're French Canadians, Matt. All right. <laughs> so uh, his father, uh, St. Andre's father, happened to be, uh, as a profession, can you guess? Yes, a carpenter. carpenter. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, but Andre was born very sickly. 
Uh, and he was, in fact, given an emergency baptism. They didn't think that he was going to survive. Well, he survived, and he remained frail and sickly throughout his life, but he also lived to be 91. Anyways, uh, he never got much schooling uh, and wanted to devote himself to the religious life, wanted to be a priest, but they thought, well, you didn't have much in the way of education, and he wouldn't be a fit candidate for the priesthood. But nevertheless, at some point, his parish priest intervened and sent Andre to the Congregation of the Holy Cross with a note that read, now this is the note before, they're sending him uh, into the seminary, and the note that the parish priest sa- uh, uh, sent read, quote, I am sending you a saint. I mean, to already, at a young age, being deemed by your parish priest to be a saint, one can only imagine. Anyways, so he does become a saint, and he gets assigned to a school in Montreal. But because he never had much education, he couldn't be a teacher at this school. So what did he do? Just the most humble, menial tasks. He was, for example, a doorman. And just, you know, had to keep, you know, things clean and greet people as they came in, so on and so forth. But, you know, just very humble kind of tasks. But he had a tremendous devotion to St. Joseph. And he wanted to build a chapel to St. Joseph. And there was this plot of vacant land next to this uh, school. And he imposed, a, imposed on the authorities to buy, imposed on his superiors to buy this vacant land. And he constructed a small chapel. Well, it was nice, but it was small. And he had in mind something a little bit bigger. So he began some fundraising. And in 1924, they completed what was then the largest church in all of North America. And he had, as I say, this tremendous devotion to St. Joseph. And he would frequently instruct people that came to him for help to seek the intercession of St. Joseph. And he would pray to St. Joseph every day himself. Well, word spread about this, uh, this brother Andre, and why? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because like there were a host of miracles? As a matter of fact, to this day, if you visit St. Joseph's Oratory, this huge church that was built uh, through the fundraising of Brother Andre, if you go there to this day, you will see hundreds of crutches that have been left there and are still on display. Uh, He was beatified in 1982, canonized in 2010, but a man who had tremendous devotion to St. Joseph, relied on the intercession of St. Joseph, and was able to affect, I don't know, hundreds of miracles. And that's just one example of somebody who had a devotion to St. Joseph. What can you pray to St. Joseph for? Everything. Pilgrimage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not too far away either, really, I would think. It would be a tremendous place to go. During the summertime, it's a little cooler up there. I think so. Now, while we're on the subject of different stories about people devoted to St. Joseph, uh, there's another guy, and his name is Blessed Bartolo Longo. Uh, Bartolo lived during the 19th and early 20th century, born in Ladiano, Italy. He was born to a devout Catholic family, went to the University of Naples, where in the early 20th century... He, you know, started to, uh, you know, fall in line with a lot of the intellectual thinking of the time. And guess what? He lost his faith, became anti-Catholic, became so anti-Catholic that he was ordained, get a load of this, a priest of Satan. Oh, that is a load. Now, mind you, I started off this little story by calling him 
Blessed Bartolo Longo, a guy who was an ordained priest of Satan, ends up being declared blessed by the church. How does that happen? You think maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe St. Joseph figures into this. Anyways, um, while he was uh, devoted to Satan, he had hallucinations, nightmares, bodily ailments, severe depression, went to a Dominican priest, um, ended up uh, becoming uh, somebody who turned back to the Catholicism of his youth, uh, became devoted to the rosary, uh, built uh, a basilica to Our Lady of the Rosary in Pompeii, but was a guy who also, oh yeah, prayed to St. Joseph every day. And he told everyone to go to St. Joseph in their fight against temptations. And when he was beatified by St. John Paul II in 1980, St. John Paul said, in, in relation to Bartolo Longo and the life he lev, lived and the experience that he had with St. Joseph, uh, St. John Paul said, pronounce often and with great confidence, with great confidence, the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Um, this is a man who prayed to St. Joseph every day and went from an ordained priest of Satan to someone who's beatified by the Catholic Church. If you are someone who is subject to certain temptations or you're living with some kind of addiction, if you have some kind of a, a problem of any nature, guess who's got the strength to be your protector and guardian and leader, father figure? Guess who's got the ability to help you out of that? You know, what I'm hearing is, and I think a lot of people need to really take to heart, is the word ask. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will open. That's the Father loves us so much, but he will not, you know, won't do it if we don't ask for it. Won't do it if you don't ask. And if you and he will never, uh, you know, surrender you. He will never, uh, you know, let you go. He'll never cast you aside. He will be there waiting, waiting, waiting. And if at any point you turn back, guess what his response is going to be? You said it. All you got to do is ask. Um, you know, Mr. Longo asked, and look what, you know, and asked for the intercession of St. Joseph to help him with that. And, yeah, I mean, his life, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're speculating and trying to deduce, you know, what St. Joseph might have been like. What do you think that conversion might have been like? What would you have been going through? Wouldn't you have needed help to turn from one life and do a complete 180 in the other direction? And he asked for help from St. Joseph. Well, it's something you said just kind of made me smile. St. Joseph had it easy. Come on now. <laughs> He's the father of Jesus Christ, capable of doing no wrong. Come on, really. And look at his mother, without sin. And that's his wife. So he's living in perfection. He's living in perfection, but certainly not easy. I mean, well, whatever he thought his yeah. life, whatever he, I know, well, I, I know I'm, of course. I'm right. jesting I know, a little I know. Here. Right, right, right. Uh, but, I mean, you think... Um, you know, whatever he thought his life would have been like, 
Well, how long and of then, a trip is it on a donkey on foot? How long was that trip? Do you course. have a, Do you have any idea? Of course, no, I have no idea. I don't know. Thirty days, I have no idea. Oh, it's ridiculous. Ninety days, I have no idea. And then um, back, you know. But you know, if you're thinking a normal life, I'm going to I'm going to marry. Uh, I'm going to have a normal marital life. No, you're not going to get any of that, and you're going to have to live this life that's devoted to your son and to and to you know the Father and the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to live a celibate life, a holy life, a life of purity and sanctity and holiness. Um, and you know, so it was, is that easy to do? Uh, I would not think so. I'm sure it wasn't easy. <laughs> I'll, I'll back up on that one. You know, especially when he, you know, he had what he had to do as far as keeping them alive and providing for them. Oh my goodness! You know, but also back then, you know, to have children was almost like money. You know, you have you have your cattle, you have your stock, you have your crops, but if you have a whole quiver full of arrows, you know, five or six boys. Your name and your estate will be taken care of, and they didn't have that to fall back on. No, they didn't have you know, any of that. Sure. But when when Jesus said, "Behold, you know, your mother," and then "Behold, you know, your son," you know, so she had a lot to work with, and look at what she built. You know, I mean, you know, the church that she was uh, there to not only talk about stuff as the years were going on, you know, stuff that hadn't they didn't know, you know. You know, all the little things that were from way back when, those were Mary dictating, you know, the life of Jesus' early childhood, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, what, what it must have been like and what they, what they had to go through. Um, but just to, you know, for a second, sort of like it, continue with, uh, continue with this, this line of thought. Um, you know, what can we pray to St. Joseph for? Uh, like I said, his his life, uh, all of a sudden he's given this life, probably very different than what he had imagined for himself. And it's a life of purity. It's a life of purity. And of course, if you're going to be in the presence of, you know, just the ultimate holiness, you have to be holy as well. In order for us to, uh, after this life is over, come into the presence of Christ— we're going to need to be holy as well. We're going to have to, you know, uh, be purified in purgatory or, you know, whatever the good Lord, you know, wills for us at that point. Uh, you know, but, I mean, in the Old Testament, you know, I mean, I see the face of God. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to burn up. I mean, to be in the presence of that kind of holiness, you have to have to be pure. So he lived this life of purity. And Father Donald Calloway uh, wrote an article about St. Joseph, and he says, Ask any parish priest today, um, who obviously spends you know time hearing confessions, ask them what the most common sin among among men is today, and you will hear pornography, uh, lust, you know that type of weakness, and that's what we can pray to Saint Joseph for. He was a chaste man, a man of purity. We can ask him for help with that. I mean that is. I guess, according to you know Father Calloway, the sin of our times, the weakness of our times, and of course it is because there's so much in the culture and the society that is you know throwing these impure images and these opportunities for impure desires, as throwing us as throwing it at us all the time, and we, there's there is somebody 
to whom we can go for help with that. He should not be the silent uh, saint, should not be the, the forgotten saint at all. Not at all. And when we're talking spiritual warfare, we need to be calling upon everything we have in our arsenal. All the angels and saints, from your guardian angel to St. Michael. You know, we need to ask for that. Remember the word ask, because without asking, it's not going to be handed it to you. It just doesn't work that way. Even scripture points it out pretty clear. You know, what father's going to give the son of rock when he asked for an egg and on and on you know he's there and wants to love on us but we have to be receptive we have to ask this is saint joseph radio presents coming to you live from the rome of the west on this saint joseph feast day live in studio with ray gerard my name's matt logman and I hope you will give us a call after the program to get a free copy of this program so that you can either listen to it again and then share. And you can call us at 636-447-6000. So, Ray, you got any more great stories? <laughs> oh, I might have another one. Um, so we have already mentioned that St. Joseph is called the patron saint of something which is nothing less than the church itself. Well, he has another title. He's called the Terror of Demons. That's quite a title. Now, we always we think about Mary as the person who is uh, the one who, you know, stomps uh, the devil under her, her feet, that she is someone of whom the devil is afraid, that she has this tremendous power. But like so many of the things we're saying uh, about the Holy Family, Joseph also uh, shares in these powers, this mission, this holiness. Um, you know, I mean, they, they live together as a family for, I don't know, the better part of three years. We don't know exactly when St. Joseph died. Uh, did I say three? I meant 30. Uh, the better part of 30 years. Um, you know, they shared, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of things. Well, power over demons. He is called the terror of demons. And, you know, that story I just related Here's you got a guy who devoted his life to Satan. And in order to, you know, get himself free from that power, that grip, he turned to Joseph. Well, there's, you know, a number of other missionaries and people who perform exorcisms who've attested to the power of invoking the name of St. Joseph during exorcisms. So much so that he now has this title, The Terror of Demons. Now, for a guy who is this silent, forgotten, unknown figure, that's a lot of power. You know, good grief, you know. That's great that you bring up these thoughts because when I got a lot of rabbit holes to go down when I get home. You know, the fact that mom and dad, they were protecting their son's ministry shall we call it you know it's god come down and well what is god against the ruler of this world you know satan has the free run right now until you know the fecal matter hits the oscillating rotator and we don't know that day but you know we got joseph with it great title and we know the mother you know when you talk about exorcisms i've read lots of reports the person that's being exercised will simply say she is here. And the exorcist knows that within within a minute, this is going to be done. 
Right. Wow. You talk about power, you know, and no. yes, it makes sense. Joseph has the same power. And where does that power come from? Obviously, it comes from God. And so if invoking the name of Joseph during an exorcism or invoking the name of Mary during an exorcism is able to exert such tremendous effect, uh, then that person, uh, that saint, Mary Joseph, has to have tremendous power from God. So if we're trying to think and still play our little game of deduction as, as amateur detectives, if we're trying to think about who St. Joseph was, knowing that he has such tremendous power from God tells us an awful lot. You know, God would only give that kind of, you know, power to somebody who is close to him, uh, you know, somebody who is, in fact, very holy. What more do you need to know about him? If you know that he's got the power over demons, he's got the power to help you with anything you ask for. And so pray to him. We don't think, perhaps, to, of doing that, but he can help you with anything. True, very true. Again, ask. You know, this, this can never be overemphasized. Now, you think, well, why would God, you know, bless these people? Yes, they're close to him. But back in the creation, the beginning, let us make man in our own image. So there, there's something. He loves us so much. We are, made in, we are made in God's image. That's why he wants to protect us. And when the angels found out that they were going to have to worship a man when God came down as Jesus Christ, you know, they knew this whole, though, that's not going to work for us, God. You know, they're not, we're not going to serve them, you know, a carbon yuck. No, not going to do it. No. You know? No. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It, yeah, there's another rabbit hole to go down. I mean, <laughs> but we are made in God's image, and he truly loves us to be able to do that. And wants what is best for us, and that's to spend eternity with him, folks. And he gives us these saints because we're made in his image, and our destiny is uh, to be uh, to share in the adoption that was, uh, you know, designed before the foundation of the world. Uh, we're we're destined uh, to be holy, but we need help with that. So we pray to Saint Joseph. I mean, you can pray to Saint Joseph for a lot of different things. He's often thought of as being somebody who can be prayed to as a husband for, for help uh, to people who are trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good protector. Uh, people pray to him for trust in God. People uh, pray to him for purity. Uh, he's often thought of as the worker. People you know, pray to him uh, for help with either getting a job or, or doing, uh, you know, doing good work in a job. Uh, people pray to him for help at the time of death. Uh, people uh, pray to him as the patron of the church. But perhaps my favorite uh, thing to pray to him for, it's as this uh, figure who is silent. He is a silent figure. His silence is the most notable feature that we have of him, perhaps, from the Bible. And it's wonderful to think of him as somebody who is powerful in silence, all of us, no matter, I mean, this show is about evangelization moments, right? We're supposed to uh, think about um, what can we do to help other, uh, other people, 
grow in their faith, to be introduced to the faith. You know, how can we do that? Well, we're all called upon to do that. And all of us have jobs, first and foremost, in our own families. And there are so many people behind the scenes, behind anybody else, who achieves holiness. If somebody earns salvation, at somewhere along the way, whether from a mother or father or brother, a sister, uh, a good friend, you know, there are other people in the background that help with that. We are all silent influencers to some extent when the story of somebody else's life is told. Perhaps we've, you know, we figure in uh, there somewhere in the background. We're one of those silent figures. All of us have the ability, the, the opportunity to be a silent figure in somebody else's salvation. Whether it's like Peter, you know, hey, you animated my faith just simply by saying grace before a meal. And so we all have the ability to sort of imitate Joseph. And he's just, this, I think, this wonderful model. We don't have to do anything dramatic. We can just be a figure in the background, but nevertheless be important in somebody else's life. And the best way to do evangelization, my friends, is how you live. When all else fails, then you can use words. But the first priority, fathers out there as we celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph, our first and main priority is to get our wives and children to heaven. That is our first and main priority. Once you take care of that, well, then we'll talk again. But really, this is it's the simple simplicity of it, which is the hardest thing to do. Get your spouse and your children to heaven, my friends. And who can we ask for help but St. Joseph? Because he died that happy death. He died in the arms of Mary and of Jesus. We can pray for that. That would be the way that we may enter into heaven. And we ask this St. Joseph through your holy intercession and your lovely wife Mary and your son Jesus Christ. St. Joseph Radio presents now saying good night. Listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S A I N T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636 447 6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.